grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning. The Old Testament reading we heard a moment ago from Genesis chapter 50, especially these words. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what comes to mind when I say the word Hatfields and McCoys? A fight, right? A feud, right? There's nothing worse than a feud between people that goes on, not for days, not for weeks, not for months, not for years, but for decades. Many of us know, at least in part, of families that fight like the Hatfields and McCoys. Maybe it's over some disputed land on the farm. Maybe it's some other community issue. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's over who got married to who. Nothing worse than that kind of a feud than the Hatfields and McCoys, right? Wrong. What's worse is when the Hatfields and the Hatfields fight. When the McCoys and the McCoys fight. What really makes a family feud a family feud is when the family itself is torn apart is rocked. Rocked by sin. Rocked by deceit. Rocked by scandal. Rocked with no hope of reconciliation. My friends, maybe, just maybe, you know what I'm talking about firsthand. Husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters. Maybe you know what I'm talking about firsthand, and you know the hurt, you know the pain. Maybe you cringe when these kind of Bible passages come up. You know, like we heard in our epistle read, uh, reading. That said, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I don't want to hear that. Why? Because I've done my part. Now it's up to them. They are the ones that need to forgive, to come crawling on their knees. My friends... If you have never known this kind of family turmoil, 
If you have never known this kind of family bitterness, stop right now and say a prayer to God. A prayer of thanksgiving. Because if you have never experienced this, first-hand or second-hand or third-hand, if you have never experienced this, you are in the minority. Brother versus brother, husband versus wife, parent versus child, this is the reality that we live in. And trust me, as a pastor for over three decades... I could put it all in a book, but I couldn't get it all in one volume. Today, in Genesis chapter 50, we see one of the saddest family feud situations in the whole world. And at the same time, we see one of the most beautiful pictures of mercy. Not mercy in theory, not mercy as a concept, but mercy in action. Mercy. One of those church words. It's really simple. Mercy and grace are two sides to the same coin. Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. Flip it around. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace, God gives us forgiveness, life, and salvation earned by the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus. It is a free gift, forgiveness, life, and salvation. Mercy, He doesn't give us what we do deserve because of our sin. He doesn't give us hell. Eternal separation from God. That's what we've earned. That's what we deserve. Grace and mercy. This is God's gift to you. Today, all of our readings focus on that one word. Mercy. Mercy. Jesus said, Gospel reading, Luke 6. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Why does Jesus tell us to be merciful? Because it doesn't come naturally. We don't want to be merciful. We want people to get what they deserve. We love it when somebody we don't like or somebody who has been mean to us or somebody that we're feuding with has a setback. We're happy, at least on the inside, if not on the outside too. We don't want to be merciful. We want people to get it. And then we sit back smugly and say, thank you, God, for giving them what they deserve. Today, we come face to face. It's the end of the story. If you've ever read the book of Genesis from beginning to end, you might be taken aback that more than 50% of the book of Genesis is about Joseph and his brothers. You know Joseph, 
Some people, when they think of Joseph, immediately think of Donny Osmond. You know, the multicolored dream coat. Yeah, that Joseph. Joseph, daddy's favorite. Joseph, the coat of many colors. Joseph, the object of sibling rivalry. And he kind of egged it on himself. Joseph, beaten up by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold off into slavery. You think your family squabbles are bad? Anybody been sold off as a slave yet? Probably not. And then the most heartless thing of all. The brothers go to their dad and with a straight face show him the blood-soaked coat of many colors and say, your son, our brother, is dead. The pain, the hurt, the heartache. Joseph, he's a memory. Sold as a slave. Unjustly thrown into prison. Miraculously restored. Interpreter of dreams. Pharaoh's right-hand man. Vice Pharaoh in charge of food distribution. Joseph's brothers starving to death. They had no clue. They go off to Egypt. Joseph recognizes them. But they don't recognize him. Oh sure, he has a little fun with them and plays the game. But at the end, Joseph, who could have crushed them like a little bug and been justified, humanly speaking, in doing so, loved his brothers, forgave his brothers, lavished gifts on his brothers, said, go back and get dad and bring him here. Last week, the father of the prodigal son said, we have to celebrate. This son of mine was dead and now he's alive. Can you imagine the celebration Oh, I'm sure there were lots of questions. Maybe a little finger pointing and a little blame. But can you imagine the celebration? Joseph was dead to everybody. And now he's alive. And he's going to keep us alive. What amazing mercy in action. After the brothers brought Jacob and little, little brother Benjamin back, Joseph could have wiped out the entire clan except for dad and little brother, but he didn't do it. Instead, he loved his brothers even though they hadn't deserved it. He forgave his brothers even though they didn't deserve it. He showered them with mercy. Sometimes it's a little hard to 
put things in perspective time-wise. From the time that Joseph brought dad and brothers to Egypt until the time that Jacob died, which happened right here at the beginning of our text. Seventeen years have passed. Seventeen years! And what happens when dad dies? I don't know, many of you know exactly what happens when dad dies. The whole family falls apart. Maybe it wasn't dad, maybe it's mom, maybe it's grandma, grandpa. Oftentimes, a death in the family causes utter chaos. The one thing, the one fiber holding everything together is now gone. And families, families that were at peace or had an uneasy peace, are now right back at it. For 17 years, Joseph lavished love and mercy and grace upon his brothers. And 17 years later, all his brothers could think about was, Dad's dead. Now he's going to get us. For 17 years, their hearts, their consciences, their souls are tormented by the guilt that they had been carrying around. Oh, sure, God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Oh, sure, God forgives me, but I'm not 100% sure that my brother does. Isn't that how life works? We come to church and we hear the words of forgiveness, full and free, no strings attached. My son, my brother, I forgive you all your sins in the name and for the sake of Jesus. We hear it. We believe it. We eat and drink his body and blood. We relish in it. And then we leave this house into the reality of our family feuds, of our grudges, sometimes our downright hatred. Oh yeah, we love it when we get mercy. But we are a much harsher taskmaster than God. God forgives us freely, even though we deserve the pits of hell. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful? No way. No way. You don't know what they did to me, God. You don't know what they put me through, Lord. You don't know the hurt that I'm still carrying around. Do you realize how silly it is when we think that way? Do you realize what a mockery of the gospel we make when we receive God's forgiveness but we refuse to forgive one another? 
Joseph is teaching us here what mercy in action looks like. Joseph does not excuse their sin. Joseph does not say, your sin didn't hurt me. In fact, he acknowledges, what you did to me was downright evil. But you know what? God is God and I am not. And God even took the evil that you did to me and he turned it out and made it good. Only God can do that. My friends, sin is a horrible evil. When we sin, we sin against ourselves. We sin against our brothers and sisters. We sin primarily against God. Sin is a horrible evil. We fall all too quickly into sin. And then the consequences of sin are often with us for years or decades or a lifetime. There is only one medicine that can cure our sin-sick souls. There is only one medicine that can put our consciences at ease. There is only one medicine that can heal broken families. And that medicine is the holy, precious, innocent blood of Jesus Christ shed for you Shed for me. Shed for the whole world. Yes, get this. Shed for your most hated enemy. Shed for the person you can't stand to be around. Shed for the person you will never ever forgive. My friends, Jesus says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. My friends, God is calling us today to stop all family feuds. Husbands and wives, love each other, forgive each other, start sleeping together. Parents and children, knock it off. Call each other on the phone, speak tenderly to one another. Brothers, sisters, Yeah, family feuds and squabbles are real. Today, God says enough is enough. Don't bury the hatchet. Instead, forgive. Life is too short. Forgive. And if your family member or even your neighbor or church member or whatever refuses to forgive or refuses to reconcile, don't let that stop you from being kind and generous and merciful. Love, give, forgive.
encourage, pray. Why? Because God loves reconciliation. How do I know? He sent Jesus, his son, to bleed and die to, die to reconcile the whole world unto himself. And that means he reconciled you. You. My friends, sin is a wicked, wicked poison. And forgiveness is the most joyous joyful feast that we can possibly attend. Come. The feast is ready. Come to the feast. Forgiveness, life, and salvation in Jesus. It's yours. Take a look in the mirror. What you see is mercy in action. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our families, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.